Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. From Ephesians 2, starting with verse 1, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else, but God, is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins he gave us life when he raised christ from the dead it is only by god's grace that you've been saved for he raised us from the dead along with christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with christ jesus so god can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God's masterpiece. A masterpiece is an exceptional workmanship. It is outstanding artistry. All of humanity, every color, every race, every man, woman, boy, girl has been created in the image of God. And if you're familiar with the creation story, when God finished creating humanity, his words were, it is very good it is very good so say it with me I am very good I am very good I am God's masterpiece I am God's masterpiece see we need to say that a lot we need to say that a lot because we need to say what is true go ahead and have a seat Not only is it true, guys, not only is it, is it true, but we need to be reminded who we really are. We need to be reminded of who God says we are, not who society says we are, not who authority figures have said we are, not who you have said you are. Some of you looked in the mirror this morning and said, well, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. And some of you believed what you told yourself. You're in the house this morning. You're here and you're online because God needs to, for you to hear this. God needs for you to hear that you are enough. 
Now, if you know me very well at all, this isn't something that I normally would say. Because <laughs> to me, it kind of sounds like psychobabble, right? You're enough, child. You're enough. <laughs> but it's true. And I'm not referring to some like, like pick yourselves up by your bootstraps, kind of improve your self-image sort of thing. It's not that kind of enough. You're enough because you were created to accomplish great things, and God has put everything in you to accomplish this. You just need to discover it. You just need to believe it. You just need to act on it. This is why you're in church this morning. This is why you're in church online, welcome you guys, or in the house, wherever you are. This is a word for you. Now, before I go further, I, I want to just acknowledge the news of the week. I want to acknowledge and just be very clear again that, that we as a church, considering the crimes against the Asian community, the racism that's been expressed, the racism that has, has killed once again, I can't believe we keep talking about this. I can't believe we keep having this happen in our, in our country. But we continue to denigrate those that are different from us. And we continue to blame others for our own shortcomings. And we act out. Some in our human, human uh, in, our, in their broken human condition, act out in ways that hurt other people. And so we just stand again this morning with the Asian community. And I just want to say again that we, that, that like violence has no place in our society. And we just stand against that. And we stand against racism. And shame on us for allowing it to exist in the local church. I'm not saying you and I are racist, but we might be. And I think it's just really good for us to continue to examine how do we see other people? And are we willing to actually say and act in a way that expresses love for those that are different than us? That's what the world's looking for is for the church to stand up and come alongside those that don't look like us, don't act like us, don't love like us, that are different than us. We must step into those places because when we do, the Spirit of God in us gives influence to those circumstances. So let's do that. Let's do that. We are one week away from the beginning of Holy Week. Next weekend, next Sunday is Palm Sunday. And uh, this is week number five of From the Ashes. So Lent is almost over for 2021. Uh, Lent has been a time for us to pause and consider what is foundational to our faith. This has been, for some of us, a season of lament. Lament for our sin. It's been a season of repentance, of turning and recognizing our need for Jesus. I often think that on this side of history, we uh, easily become desensitized to the mind-blowing impact of Jesus in the culture of that first century church. Many of us simply succumb to our own human tendencies and we kind of ignore or we forget the impact that Jesus had on, his, on the society of that day. We walk around powerless and defeated. I mean, that describes far too many of us that say we follow Jesus. 
And we just acclimate to the life that we kind of slide into instead of consciously make a decision and making choices and decisions that actually further the cause of Christ and are better for us. We forget that we have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living inside of us. This, this way of thinking and living isn't just, you know, we can think, well, I just got through 2020. What do you expect? What do we expect of each other in the year 2021 now that we've come through 2020? And I would just say that, that we can't attribute the way we're living, the way we're thinking to a worldwide pandemic, even though it's caused havoc with our psyche. I mean, who hasn't been impacted by it? But it seems that, see, it seems to me that COVID has, has mutated into a pandemic of the soul. COVID has mutated into a pandemic of the soul. What has been visible or invisible, what has been hidden has become visible. What has been hidden has become, has come out into the open and we don't always like what we see. It's been a real reality check, has it not? And so I believe it's important that we ask some questions, the right questions. And this is what we've been pointing to all during Lent, asking questions, questions like, what is my faith grounded in? Do I even have faith? Do I believe in Jesus as much as I believe in my material possessions or my health or my intellect or fill in the blank? How deep do the roots of my faith go? Does fear rule or does faith rule? I don't know if you're aware, but we're, I think, 380 days into this experience with COVID. It's a really long time. And, and for many of us, and, and for many in our world, it's translated to frustration, depression, suicide, divorce, abuse. And guys, our brokenness, it shows up in a multitude of ways. And what I hope we see is how much we need each other, how much we need each other in the middle of a crisis. It reminds me of Charles Dickens' writings in A Tale of Two Cities. He says, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. And it was the winter of despair. So much good, yet so much difficulty. It was the best, the worst. We are hopeful in one instance, and in the next, we're suspicious. Here's the deal, though. We've been there. This has been our experience. 2020 has been our experience. And now I believe we need to put it behind us, and we need to move forward. Yeah, easier said than done, right? It's easier said than done. But it's time, I believe, to make room for a brand new experience, a brand new you. And that's where we want to head this morning. In John chapter 12, Peter, or Philip and Andrew approached Jesus with a request from a group of Greeks that had asked to see Jesus. Now, 
We never know if they actually got the opportunity to see Jesus because Jesus responds in a most curious way. It's almost like he's, he's, his mind is occupied with what the future holds for him. He's looking ahead in his mind, it seems to me, and he's thinking about what's ahead of him. And so his response is, is kind of interesting. He says, unless a grain of wheat falls on the ground and dies, it remains a single grain. But if it dies, it yields a rich harvest. Now, the grain, of course, doesn't actually uh, die, but it is transformed. It's transformed into something entirely different. The grain falls on the ground, and it transforms into roots and a plant and fruit. You can think of a caterpillar doing the same thing. A caterpillar goes through this metamorphosis, becomes a, well, it's first an egg, and then it becomes a caterpillar, who, by the way, that egg has been planted on that particular leaf so that the caterpillar actually will eat that leaf in order to survive when he comes out of the, ne out of the egg. The caterpillar grows, turns into a chrysalis, and transforms once again into something far more beautiful. A monarch butterfly, did you know, I'm gonna go on a bunny trail for just a second. A monarch butterfly, we all know how beautiful they are. It goes through this process like four times in the course of a year. And every time it goes through this, it emerges as a new butterfly, but it only lives for a week, maybe two weeks, six weeks if it's lucky. This monarch butterfly, the last generation of the year, lives about nine months. It goes, it travels like 3,000 miles and has a vacation in Mexico and comes back again, part of the way back. It goes through the process and then the next one takes the next process. It makes the rest of the journey. God's creation, actually, let me read you this. Um, if God puts that much energy into a butterfly, imagine what he thought about you and I, what he thinks about you and I, the process that we go through in life. In Matthew 6, this is Gene's interpretation. On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus points us to, hey, why do you worry? Why are you worrying all the time? Don't you think I've got you? Don't you think I care for you? He says, and why do you worry about clothes? Look at the butterflies, they just flutter about. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes an insect which is here today and tomorrow is on my windshield, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? A butterfly, all that energy to make sure that butterfly is part of the ecosystem. The psalmist writes that we have 70 years and sometimes 80 years. But even those 80 years, even those best years of those 80 are filled with pain and trouble and soon they disappear and we fly away. Jesus had to surrender. He actually had to be like that grain in order to bring us back to life. He had to die and be resurrected again. The grain falls on the ground. It dies and comes back, creating a great amount of fruit. 
the butterfly dies and comes back to life. He's resurrected too, in a sense. All of that takes surrender. The butterfly has to surrender to nature. The grain has to surrender to the transformation that, it, that happens when it receives the nutrients. Until you and I come to the conclusion that our life is our surrender, our life is in our death, we will continue to, to go through this cycle of insignificance. We're going to flutter about like some insect, never understanding that we have the power of Jesus within us. We have the power of Almighty God living in us. So the Greeks, they wanted to see Jesus. Presumably, they wanted to look at him, maybe ask a few questions. Zacchaeus of sycamore tree fame, he also wanted to see Jesus. But to see Jesus is not just to observe him. To see Jesus is to know him, to enter his way of thinking, to understand his suffering, his death, his resurrection. See, like the grain of wheat, Jesus, God incarnate, God in the flesh, has to let go of his life. He has to surrender. He has to let go of everything in order to bring life to himself and to you and I, life to the world. This is the action that precipitates our transformation. Without the transformation of Christ from death to life, we have no life. If we don't see this, then we've not seen Jesus. If we don't understand what he has done, then we have been blinded to the truth of who he is. This is the core of Christ's mission, is to initiate transformation, redemption, restoration. This is who he is. Jesus being fully human and fully God did not, we think of, yeah, he's God. Piece of cake, he knows the beginning, he knows the end. And yet if we believe the scripture, the scripture tells us that he was fully God and fully man, which means that he went through the same things that you and I go through. It means that he did not find surrender to be any easier than it is for you and I. Remember his words in the garden? God, if there's any other way. My soul is troubled. Can we do this another way? But his surrender it allows for our seeing and for our becoming brand new, to step out of what was into what is, and that too through surrender, our own surrender. Because as Paul writes, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. And this morning, I believe he writes to the church in Goshen. I believe he is writing to the church of Restore. He says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. And Paul, he's not speaking about physical death, but he's speaking of a real and present soulish, spiritual death. Because when, when we don't understand, when we don't see that the most vital part of our personality, our spirit, if we don't see that it's dead to God, our creator God, that kind of life uh, that we live without that knowledge is no life at all. It's been called a life of, that is meaningless and void. Colossians, in another place uh, in Scripture, Colossians 2.13, uh, the Apostle Paul again writing says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. 
There's a cutting away that has to happen. Of, uh, when we follow Jesus, there has to be a cutting away of self. It has to be a cutting away of our sinful nature. In verse 2 of Ephesians uh, chapter 2, he says, you used to live. And I love this word live. If you translate it in the Greek, it, it can be translated as walkabout. So, you used to walk about in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the heart of those who refuse to obey God. You used to. He's calling us to more, guys. He's saying, you used to be this way. You used to live in death. You used to live this way. I'm calling you to more. All of us used to live that way. He says, following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. The sinful nature or the flesh uh, that he's speaking of is not just uh, the body. It's not just the physical body, but it is our whole person being oriented away from God. That is our natural tendency, to walk away from God, not toward God. We walk away from God into our own selfish concerns. It seems that the natural human, like our, our flesh, is at the mercy of, you know a two-year-old is a little tyrant? Do you know that? Like a two-year-old can be a real, like, it's my way or the highway. I mean, I'm already two years old. Don't you know that I know best? If you had kids, you know this. This is true. Sometimes that two-year-old tyrant continues to live in us as adults. We never do master that thing. And the self, that tyrant self, it directs our every move. It, 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 it gives us projects of, of the mind that we entertain with uncontrolled abandon. The last part of verse 3 says, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. This is why we battle self. It is to, to surrender to the ways of God so that our decisions and our choices, which most of the time, we make those and we stand back and away from And live in a way that says, I don't actually believe that Jesus did what he says he did. Or that what the scripture says, because of our actions, because we don't get rid of self, because we don't surrender self. But we've been taught, many of us have been taught, that an angry God is going to send us to hell. But in truth, but in truth, we do it to ourselves. We make those decisions and choices. And we choose to stand um, on our own. We choose to refuse to accept what God has done through Christ. And so we stand self-condemned. We stand self-condemned. God did not send Christ into the world to condemn the world, but he sent Jesus into the world to bring us into right standing with him. But God is so rich. And I love this phrase, but God. Here we are in verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much. See, God is so rich in mercy, and he loves us so much, but he can't approve sin and remain righteous. 
At the same time, he is not hostile toward his creation. So when you find yourself walking in the dark and feeling lost, check yourself. Check yourself. God is not hostile toward you. We put ourselves into places of self-condemnation, and then we blame God. But he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it is only by God's grace that we have been saved. The life we Christians now have, the life we possess, if you think of cause and effect, the life we have is an effect of which Christ's resurrection was the cause. We have life because Christ was raised. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Okay, if you've been in church for a long time, you've heard verse 6 so many times that you can probably, I begin saying it, and you pretty much know what I'm going to say. Raised us from the dead along with Christ, Have you ever contemplated what that actually means? Have you ever contemplated that when when Paul writes this, he's saying something like, hey, some of you hang out with turkeys. Some of you just run around with turkeys. You don't know that you could be soaring like an eagle. When you become aware of your position in Christ, you will find yourself soaring. And when you forget, you find yourself stumbling in the darkness. Who are your friends? Who are the people that have influence in your life? Are they turkeys? Or do they believe the best in you? Do they help you soar? What is your relationship with Jesus like? Do you feel like you're just waddling along behind him somewhere? Or do you, in fact, lean into your relationship with Christ to the degree that you actually believe that you have been seated in the heavenly realms, that you have the power of God in you? I hope that today that you can step a, take a step forward in that respect. Because you know what happens when all of us get on the same train. When all of us begin to understand that God is for us, that he has created us for far more than what we typically experience. And it only comes 
through surrender. It only comes through the, the uncomfortableness of letting go of who we think we are and believing who God says we are. Why does he do this? Why does he set us up for um, eternal success? I mean, after all, God loved us before we ever recognized him. Before we ever recognized him, God loved us. And before we think about, my marriage is broke, I'm an addict, I have no job, or I have a job that I hate, before we begin to think about all the things that are wrong, wrong in our lives, let me just remind us again, too, that he uses all things for our good. He, he, he did this. He did this. He set us up for eternal success, and he keeps doing this so that God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with him. This is like, um, you could think of it as God's public relations strategy for the whole of history and beyond. He wants to say, look at my people. Look what I have done. Look at them. I believe he's going to keep putting us up and as, as an exit, uh, as a, a exhibit of his, his favor toward us, showing his kindness throughout all the ages, showing his love in action, even when we're least aware of our need. Because I don't know about you, but I had a sense that something was missing in my life before I met Jesus. But he knew me long before I knew him. And it was his kindness that continued to draw me in, to respond to his invitation to become brand new. Verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. See, we have this human propensity toward achievement and self-glorification. Even the most humble of us like to at least humble brag, right? But Paul, he writes here, he says, no, no, no. I'm not going to give you any opportunity. I'm not going to give any credence to the idea that our own effort, our good works, our own good works would achieve anything of reputation. But instead, he points us back to the word of, works of Jesus as the gift of God to us, the salvation for us. For we are, here we are. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Where is there good that you can do? What is left undone that you can rectify? See, these questions, when I ask these questions, they're meant to stir you to action, to get you off the proverbial couch. See, you can say, we can say, we follow Jesus, but until we put those words into action, they're only words. I know good works don't have any impact on whether your salvation is secure or not, but our salvation is intended to produce good works. We prove our faith by our works. All of us were predestined to get back into a connection with our Creator, with our Creator who is Jesus. Our destiny has always been to do good. 
but we have nothing to boast about. Even the good that we do has its source in God. He is our creative energy. He's implanted us with his DNA. And that too is a gift that when recognized and put into practice brings beauty and grace to our very existence. It is his gift of kindness and love that draws us to repentance and it is his gift of kindness and love so that we can never boast, hey, look how good I am. Look at everything I've done. I deserve, I deserve the good life. All of that, all of our effort, all of our gifts come from Almighty God so that we can never boast in our own good works. Would you stand with me? If you're new to faith, if you're not sure about this whole idea of Jesus, I'm really glad you're here today because wherever we are in our life experience, we have faith in something. We always have faith in something. It is important to acknowledge where that faith lies. Is it in yourself? Is it in your friends or family? Is it in your politics, your possessions, your education, your money, your investments? Where does faith exist in your life? Because faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. In this modern era of the church, we can see Jesus in ways the Greeks and Zacchaeus could not. We have the advantage of historical perspective, of seeing how a carpenter and 12 friends could generate a worldwide movement of peace and reconciliation that is unprecedented, that is unsurpassed, and that will never end. Those that come after us, you ever think about that? The people that come after us, how will they look at us? How will they see us? Because they will have historical perspective. So they will see us in ways that we could not. They will see the legacy of faith or the lack of faith that we leave behind us. They will see the impact, the difference that we've made. But first, but first, we must live into the faith we say we have. When we open our eyes, when we see Jesus, then we see ourselves for who we really are. We see that we are dead and need of a resurrection. When we see Jesus, a choice needs to be made to step into a journey from death to life. It's a journey that will create a brand new you. It'll, it's a journey that will create a brand new me. God's masterpiece. Exceptional workmanship. Outstanding artistry. Our next step is to live into what he's called us to live into, to become. When a grain of sand or a grain of, 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 of wheat falls on the ground, it has to die before it is transformed. If you want to save your life, you need to lose your life and surrender to Almighty God. Would you pray with me? God, these days of difficulty, these days of 
trying to figure out who do we trust, what do we trust? What do we surrender to? Do we surrender to the ways of this world and just acclimate to what is? Or do we stand for truth? Are we willing to surrender our lives and become what you've actually called us to, which is into a transformation experience, an experience of restoration and redemption? God, as we think about this, would you just um, speak to us? Pray for each one in the room and those online that we would consider what it means for us to surrender to you. Holy Spirit, even now, I pray blessing over every man, boy, and girl within the sound of my voice. Move in our hearts, move in our minds, restore us to wholeness. Where there are marriages that are broken, I speak peace and I speak healing. God, the power of your spirit resides in us, within us. And so as we come into connection points with people and circumstances in this coming week, may the words of this morning the songs we sing, the message that we've heard, this word of surrender, surrender to become a brand new person, a brand new experience, ring true for us. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family. Thank you.